If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Welcome to Restoring Grace here at Radio. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether you're joining me live or on archive, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Welcome to another edition of the Zohar in 15. Uh, we've been doing this show now for, gosh, about three years. I took about a year break. Some folks have emailed me and said, hey, get back on again. This one's going to go a little bit longer than the regular 15 minutes, so just bear with me because uh, we want to try and get in to this the best that we can. Now, uh, let me just see here for a moment while I get my books ready. Okay. So tonight I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about testing, trusting the process, trusting the process. You know, a lot of people in their spiritual walk, in their spiritual efforts, a lot of people are missing that there's a process to it. You don't arrive overnight. One of the big concerns I've always had with Christianity is the conversion experience of Christianity can somewhat fool somebody uh, to get them thinking that they've arrived and there's nothing else to do, but it's a process that goes on. One of the most treasured spiritual concepts in in Christianity that rivals like John 3.16 is the concept of love your neighbor as yourself. If you've been around religious circles at all, if you have heard anything at all about it, you've heard this statement. And like I said, it's probably the most popular one uh, next to John 3.16 in Christian circles. And many religions other than Judaism and Christianity quote this. Uh, Gandhi quoted this love your neighbor as yourself. Many people quoted this particular one. So the question is, well, how do you do something like that? It's the concept that we're going to study tonight from our portion called Kedoshim, which simply means righteousness, holiness. When we look at Leviticus 19, verse number 2, we read Moses is being instructed by God to go talk to the people of Israel, and here's what he's told to say. Speak to the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, this being holy, that sounds like a really difficult task. I mean, how do we be holy like God? How do we... How do we take that kind of component and be able to do it? The challenge is that people look at that word holy and they say, well, I can't do that, and they just don't try. 
instead of understanding it being holy. Living right means to be complete in our correction. And it's best achieved through spiritual practices, spiritual rituals. That's how you best achieve it. And remember we talked about in Kabbalah, we teach that you're here to perform a correction, to to heal your soul. The word is called tikkun. You're here to, to, to commit to tikkun. And while you're doing that, you'll be a benefit to other people. But worth noting, I want you to write this down, worth noting, when you're going through challenges like trying to find your way, it's great to read, it's great to study, it's great to listen, but find a teacher. Find someone with experience to guide you, to listen to their advice, somebody who's been maybe a couple of miles down the path from where you're at. Find that person. Now, if you, whatever you believe, whatever your faith practice is, you, you name it, you do whatever you want it to be, whatever your faith practice is, if it's not helping you grow in a way that gets you to benefit the lives of other people, to get you to share with them, to get help in their tikkun and their correction while doing yours correction as well, then it's not, it's not holy. That's not holy. That's just a religion. That's just something that men made up. The concept of holiness is the idea that there's something pure and there's something good that is put into us by creator, and we're to share that part of ourselves. You may say, well, you know, I, I, I don't always feel that way. We'll get to that in a few minutes. You're right. I don't always feel that way either. By the way, side note, you know what I learned tonight? I learned that not all distractions are bad. Sometimes they're just glorious. Now, what I've noticed in religious pursuits is that people spend hours and hours, endless amounts of hours, getting better at what they already know how to do well because that's easy spiritual work. You go to church, you sing some songs, you give a tithe, some guy babbles on for 20 or 30 minutes, there's a closing song. Things happen, and you get to memorize the songs, and you know your way around, and you feel really comfortable, and you go week after week after week. Every once in a while, something might stir your soul a little bit, but there's no real challenge there. There's no, there's no work there. You're just getting better at what you already do very well. Now, in Leviticus chapter 19, we're going to look at this phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. I know everyone who listens to this program, you have heard the verse, love your neighbor as yourself. But what you may not know is there was a line before that in the verse, and there's a line after that in the verse. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 18. You shall not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, there's three specific statements here. First, you won't seek revenge. You won't hold a grudge. Secondly, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Thirdly, I am the Lord. This is interesting. Of all the things to say before love your neighbor as yourself, he could have said, I created all of you. I'd like you to treat each other with respect. Uh, male, female, black, white, Jew, non-Jew, you guys were all – he could have said anything. But instead he says, do not seek revenge and do not hold a grudge against your people. This is such a powerful concept. The reason why I believe so many people struggle – and seeing who they really are and understanding what they're really about is because they're holding grudges. They're seeking revenge. They have so much negativity in their soul, so much of the clopote. Remember we talked about the covering weeks ago? So much covering over their soul, this hardening of their soul. They simply don't see how God could work with someone like them because they know how they think. Well, he knows how you think too. But this famous verse taught, quoted, people have tattooed 
this verse on their body, even quoted by Jesus in the New Testament documents, is still couched between the statement of don't seek revenge, don't hold a grudge, and remember I'm holy. Man, the command, the command to be holy is God, it is tough. You know what really cracks me up? Like when people are struggling and they're going through hard times and they're being reactive and negative, some great spiritual person will come up to them and say, hey, hey, just be holy. Just be holy. It'll all work out. This is not helpful. Telling something to go, somebody to go do something, they are so far away from understanding what it is, they wouldn't even know if they got there. All right. I'll back off a little bit now. The Creator, God, Hashem, Elohim, whatever name you ascribe to Him, the Creator has given us all desire. You have a desire to live. That's not a bad desire. And for a long time in religious circles, we keep painting the concept of desire as something incredibly negative. If you've got to control your desires, you should not have your desires. You, you should not want these things that you want. No. You've been given two desires by creator. Remember, the creator's desire is to bestow. His, his desire is to give. He creates all of the world and all of the universe so that he can give to it, so he can share himself. So if he is known as creator and it's in his nature to give, he needs someone on the other end. He creates someone on the other end to be the receiving vessel of his gifting, of his giving. Now, there are two desires, I believe, and two desires only. One is a desire to receive for self alone, and one is a desire to receive for the sake of sharing with others. The major difference is the desire to receive, uh, to receive for self alone is just simply selfish. It's, uh, it's quick satisfaction. It's the, it's the eating the food you know is bad for you. It's the staying up late and watching a TV show when you really should be getting rest, but the TV show makes you feel good. It, it's those instant gratifications. It's those impulse purchases. That is the desire to share for, self, for the sake of self alone. But the desire to share, to receive for the sake of sharing is going to God and saying, I want you to do this in my life. I want to remove my clopote, my coverings. I want to get rid of the revenge. I want to get rid of my grudges. I want to clear the negativity out to receive from you so that I can share that light with others. Now, Kabbalists teach, by the way, a term called enlightened greed. Not every time you hear the word greed, everybody thinks that's a bad word. Not necessarily. Enlightened greed simply means that I'm going to go do something honestly, loving, caringly, sharing with somebody, knowing it's the best possible decision I can make. Knowing that the master of the universe sees my actions and he sees my words and he says to himself, I see that he's doing. We always paint God in this picture. Oh, he's up in heaven and he's looking to catch you in the act of doing something wrong. I argue that you're wrong. It's not him. God is looking at our lives up in heaven to catch us in the act of doing something right. So Kabbalists deploy enlightened greed. I know that by receiving from creator, by taking the light, removing my revenge, removing my grudge, removing my negativity, I know by doing these things, creating a vessel for his light and sharing that light is the healthiest and the strongest way for me to grow. You see, you're already connected to your perfect soul. Now here comes God and he says, I want, I want you to make the effort to practice the path of holiness. And God will take us the rest of the way. He'll take us the rest of the way. Christians struggle with this concept. 
That's my dog in the back. He's chasing the cat around. Christian concept. Wrestle with this concept because they believe in the completion of everything upon salvation. But I tell you, it is a process. Remember that your root is holy. Your soul came from the upper world. Your soul came from the heavens. And it's our connection that keeps us there. Have you ever experienced unexpected energy? Have you ever had some moment where you see something so clearly and so wonderfully or so beautifully or, or somebody says something, the simplest thing to somebody, or you say the kindest word to somebody, even a gesture as small as picking up trash and throwing it away and there's this burst of energy. That is the connection to creator channeling through our perfected soul, showing you you are on the right track. Don't stop watching for the signals. Don't stop. How many of you have heard of the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus taught? Nate, don't raise your hand, stupid. I can't see you. But the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus taught, son, landowner, rich family, he decides to go out on his own. He winds up living out there, and, and horrible things happen to him. And finally, he wakes up one day, and he says to himself, I'm eating with the pigs. This is ridiculous. And he comes back. Did you know that that parable is about a 1,000 years old, about the time that Jesus taught it? Almost every rabbi and sage of their day taught a variant on that parable. And one of the most popular ones in the parable of the prodigal son, please pay attention. One of the most commonplace of the rabbis and sages teaching is the same beginning. Son, wealthy landover, he leaves to go experience life. He gets out there and he winds up broke and he spent all his money and nobody knows you when you're down and out and all the horrible things. He's eating with pigs. The landover sends a, landowner sends a servant to go find his son. He comes back and says, did you find him? He says, yes, I did. Where is he? Oh, he's in the land of wherever he is. He says, okay. Did you tell him I wanted him to come home? I told him that. And he knows that. But he says he doesn't have the strength. He says he doesn't have the strength to come back. He say, the landowner says, go back to my son. <coughs> go back to my son and tell him I'll meet him halfway. When we talk about doing the things that God wants us to do. When we talk about the path to holiness, it is not up to us to assume all the responsibility of getting there. It is up to us to take action and move forward. Start in action. Make an effort. God will find you on the way. He'll find you. Now, real quick, we've got to go to our Zohar reading, because it wouldn't be a Zohar show if we didn't do a Zohar reading. We're going to be reading from, from the Zohar, volume 16, portion Kedoshim, uh, verse 13 says this, the Torah is called holiness, the scriptures. For it is written, I, Hashem, the Elohim, I am holy. And such is the Torah, which is the supernal holy name or the writing of the Holy One. Therefore, listen now, one who toils in it and becomes pure and afterwards becomes holy, you shall be holy. It does not say be holy, but it is written, you shall be. It does not say holy. It says, assuredly, you will, meaning that this is a promise that through Torah, you shall be holy. He replied, the rabbi's talking, he says, this is certainly correct as it is written, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words of Torah. You shall be. It's a process. The creator doesn't say to you, whatever your name may be, be holy. Now you go figure it out. You go work on it. You go good luck. We'll see how it does. The Torah and the Zohar both commit to us to the idea, you shall be. It is a promise. It is a promise. Did you know that the creator of the universe 
has made a covenant promise with your perfected soul to bring you in your body where you are now, in your time where you are now, for such a time as this, you have an important role to fulfill in the correction of the world, and you shall be. Man, sometimes I don't see it. Sometimes I only see myself, and I know my flaws. I know my weaknesses. I know the unfulfilled parts of me. And I start to think those thoughts, being reactive, being negative, being upset about how other people have treated me. And I realize all I'm doing is putting blockages, coverings in front of myself. No one's doing this to me. I'm doing it to myself. And then when I finally clear my heart and clear my head and say, you know what, I'm just letting that go. I'm letting it go for their benefit and for mine. You see, the you shall be means that God already sees you there. And that's what makes him God, by the way. He's seen the past. He sees where we are now. He sees the future. I'm not sure I ever want that. I'd make a lousy God anyway, but that's another story for another day. The ultimate spiritual goal in almost all major religions is to be one with the God, to be one with creator, to have affinity with God, not to be God. So put the rocks down. Calm down. But to be one with Creator. People, they just miss this. They, they, they miss the connection. It takes work. Remember what our, our, our Zohar verse said? Therefore, the one who toils, the one who works at it, it is hard work. It is hard work. But what benefit would it be if it wasn't? What if you just said, okay, I want to be holy. No, now I'm holy. Yay. Yay. I win again. It's hard work. To root out all the pieces of you. One time C.S. Lewis, a great Christian apologist, was walking through the streets one day. And he saw a guy who was, had a, a wooden stump and he, he made like little bears and stuff out of it. And he asked him, he said, how do you know how to do that? How do you know how to make these amazing statues of these bears out of these, out of these wood logs? And his response back was, I just chip away everything that doesn't look like a bear. Let me say it again. I just chip away everything that doesn't look like a bear. And that's our goal. That's our correction. That's our tikkun is to chip away everything about David that doesn't look like creator. People are always saying, I hear them talking and preaching and screaming and singing about calling down God's power. Or, oh, God's going to come down here. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. Let me spell it out for you. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. God is not King Kong that you go on Sundays and offer him a virgin, and he comes down there, and you beat the drums, and you sing all the right things. He comes down there, and he's the virgin, and you've made your sacrifice, and life is great. That's not what this is about. It's about you. It's about you facing the fact that you've got correction to do. It's about you knowing you're holding grudges in your heart. It's about you knowing that you want revenge. It's about you being reactive instead of thinking things through. It's about you being negative instead of pushing that negativity out and making room for the light of the creator. Remember, you're a vessel designed to receive the giving of the creator. He can't fill a full cup. He cannot fill a full cup. And you have to trust the process. That's the painful part, I think. You have to trust the process. You have to say to yourself, why am I here? All these events that have happened to me, all these things that have gone on that have shaped me to this moment, why? Why? For such a time as this, 
you are the one who can fulfill only this role in the correction of your own soul and the correction of those around you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether or you've joined us live or on Archive, thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you what you thought about the show. You know I'm on Facebook, Restoring Grace. You can leave your comments there. Good night. We'll talk to you next week. I don't walk around the world to ease my troubled mind.